You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. Ah, mmm. The first taste of rare bourbon you finally got your hands on. That's nice. At Caskers.com, we make this experience easy. Caskers is a one-stop spirit curator with an impressive selection of exclusive sought-after rare and household names in the realm of premium spirits and champagne. Discover the top flavors of the year now by going to Caskers.com and using code WELCOME10 for $10 off your first purchase. Get $10 off your first purchase with code WELCOME10 at Caskers.com. You, you feel this, this nervousness on the phone there? Sir, I've been trying to make an urgent phone call up there. I don't think it's something I want to do on an overseas phone. You got to make some phone calls. Hang up the phone. Prank caller. Prank caller. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to Packernet After Dark. This is the call-in show, the Packernet Podcast Network. If you'd like to call in, if you'd like to participate in the show, please feel free to do so. The number here is 608-501-0718. New callers go directly to the front of the line. We do have a new caller today. New caller, what's going on? Brian, hey. Jeff from Minneapolis, of all places, I've been up here since the 90s. Yeah, a woman made me do it. But hey, first time caller, uh, love listening to you. Thank you for all your insights, for taking a logical approach to the Packers. Well, sure. Uh, question for you. I'm, I'm kind of concerned coming into this season about the defensive line and in terms of stopping the run. I heard a statistic today that since Joe Barry has arrived as the defensive coordinator, the Packers' run defense has an EPA of 32nd. We got the worst run defense in the league under Joe Barry, uh, which is obviously concerning. And I'm just wondering if we have the personnel to stop the run coming into this season. I think T.J. Slayton is going to play a, a huge role in that. I, I kind of think, as far as defense goes, it, it might actually he might actually strangely be one of the most important players, if not the most important in terms of the Packers' ability to stop the run. Uh, so, you know, that, and, and I, I hope somebody can emerge at corner. Uh, I think we're a little thin there. I like our starters a lot. I've never been a big fan of Stokes. I think he has trouble locating the football in the air. Um, I think he can get lost on crossing routes. And um, I, I, I just, the football intelligence for me is not there for Stokes. He's got all the uh, athletic ability in the world, but I just don't see an athletic. I'm sorry, I don't see a, a a very intelligent corner there compared to the other guys we have. Uh, so anyways, um, love listening to you, and just wanted to throw those two things out there for you, and uh, hopefully you have a chance to respond to that. Thanks for all your work and all you do. Appreciate you. Yeah, so the run defense, That first of all, I think you made a pretty good point that's worth mentioning that hasn't really been brought up, at least that I've heard or that I've mentioned, and that is um, whether or not we have the personnel. Because remember, we went out and got a bunch of players, right? And we brought in Mike Pettin and stocked his defense with Mike Pettin guys, and then we bring in Joe Barry, and it's like, all right, why do we bring in Joe Barry? Well, because there's a certain style of defense and we want uh, our defense to look like those other defenses. The problem is, did we ever ask the question, 
is that what's most beneficial for our guys, right? Most of us already acknowledge that we wish there was more man coverage because we are one of the few teams that can actually execute that. However, we don't have a defense that likes to do a lot of man coverage. We do a lot of zone coverage, not because it's what's best based on our players, but because that's the style of defense that we want to run. We've also seen um, our safeties go to zero. Adrian Amos went from one of the best safeties in football to one of the worst last year. Uh, Darnell Savage, after taking a year two jump under Mike Pettin, completely tanked. Uh, he went from like a, what was he, like a 70 grade as a sophomore down to being like one of the worst, maybe second worst safeties in all of football. Uh, we've seen Kenny Clark bottom out. And so it's, it's a matter of we know we have good players and we know that this defensive system can work, but we don't know if this defensive system really wants players like this. And so we're going to take another swing at it, but either we find a new defensive coordinator that's more willing to look at the pieces and say, let's do what works best here, or better yet, have somebody like um, our GM look at our pieces and say, this is the style of defense that would work for the guys that we have. Otherwise, we need to start finding new pieces, which of course is not doable. As you know, we have eight first-round picks on our defense, as well as a bunch of other pretty talented guys. We are not going to throw all of them in the garbage simply because we need different players to execute a certain style of, 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 of defense. Granted, some of the guys came in after Joe Barry. We got Devontae Wyatt and Quay Walker, who really didn't contribute all that much, but hopefully will be soon. So that that's at least worth discussing. Um, as far as TJ Slayton, I understand in theory why he would be important, um, but he hasn't really proven to be all that great. I mean, he's seen as he's a bigger guy, so he's a really good run defender. He really wasn't. He was the worst tackling defensive tackle on our entire team last year. He was our highest-graded run defender, but they were all basically even. Uh, Kenny Clark was our lowest, which sucks. But um, he had a 61.9 grade, which is average. Devontae Wyatt was a 60.9. Jaron Reed was a 59. Dean Lowry, 56. Kenny Clark, 53. So he hasn't contributed a ton as far as what we need him to do, right? I can accept that TJ Slayton is a bad pass rusher and always will be. But I only accept that with the understanding that you are going to dominate as a run defender. And if you don't dominate as a run defender, you can go bye-bye. Now, with all that said, I had watched, uh, I forget the guy's name, but he does film breakdowns and whatnot. He's got a new channel. I've talked about him not too long ago. He had looked at it and said, basically, the way that we play defense went to zero when Rashawn Gary went out. Bottom line. The entire run defense, the way that we play run defense, depends on having really good edge rushers. And when Rashawn Gary went away, that went away. Not only did our pass rush go from one of the best to one of the worst, but our, our we, we cannot have a run defense with the way Joe Barry wants to do it, the styles of coverages and fronts that we play. It doesn't work unless we have really good edge rushers. Hence, as he pointed out, the reason we went out and got Lucas Van Ness and two other edge guys. We loaded up at the position because we never want to be caught in that position where our entire defense goes to zero simply because one edge rusher goes down. Granted, that one edge rusher is one of the best players on our entire team, but I think that that's a big part of it. And it's a, it's a major part that's being forgotten about when everyone's like, well, they have a bad defense and everybody knows it. Okay, well, again, we're forgetting the part where they kind of figured something out at the second half of the year and also how much this defense is really built around Rashawn Gary. I know the defense wasn't necessarily great with him here either, but without him, we, we don't even have a defense. So, again, hence the reason for Lucas Van Ness and uh, additional bodies on top of that that can hopefully really stock up the shelves. As far as Stokes, I understand that, you know, 
not being massively excited, but you got to understand also, we only saw him as a rookie. That's basically it. Eric Stokes has really just not played, and he played really well as a rookie. I know it seemed like he kind of had a bad start, but also you got to understand, he had a f- bad four-game stretch, the exact four-game stretch at the end. I, 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 I'll be honest. I'm really starting to wonder if something happened. It doesn't make any sense. We looked at Romeo Dobbs, and it was weeks four, five, six, and seven that the team went to zero. I don't know if it's Aaron Rodgers hurting his thumb and everybody just gave up. Everybody just panicked and said the season's over. I don't know what happened. But there is this four-game stretch. Every single time I look at somebody, week three, Eric Stokes had a 76 grade. Week eight, 70. Week nine, 67, right? I mean, so it's weeks four, five, six, and seven. He just went to zero, as did Romeo Dobbs. You know, it's, I don't understand. It's that, that stretch from New England the Giants, the Jets, and Washington, where where that was the stretch where we all realized like something is broken here, and I don't know what's going on. But Stokes as a rookie, um, and aside from that four game stretch, he really didn't have a bad season, which was about half of the time he played. So I understand that it doesn't look great, but I thought he had a pretty good rookie season, and we haven't seen much from him since. Not proclaiming he's going to be great. I, I I guess what I'm saying is. There's no reason for us to give up on him. It, it, if you want to say that I personally just, from what I've seen, don't think he's going to be good, okay, that's fair. But um, yeah, we, we, we've we seen him for about a year. And then last year when, again, our entire defense was terrible last year. Even Jair struggled in that stretch. He didn't play week four, but we if you just throw week three in there, the four-game stretch, uh, he had a 79-grade and a 90-grade bracketing that four-game stretch in between 43, 63, 66, and 53. I don't know what the heck was going on during that time, but the team gave up. And they didn't get reinvigorated until that Buffalo game, and then they kind of started to feel a little bit better and better, and then, I don't know, slowly ramped up down the stretch. Dallas was obviously a big one, but yeah, that, there was just that... that I mean, it, it feels like that four-game stretch just ruined everything. It threw off everyone and everything and they kind of gave up and it took a long time for them to get their footing back and then it was a really rough stretch of buffalo and dallas and tennessee and philadelphia and then we ended strong once we got out of that rough patch it, it, it really if you think about it if we just didn't have a rough patch we beat chicago tampa the giants the jets washington and then we lose to buffalo anyways maybe beat detroit maybe don't i don't know we spanked dallas I mean, it just, it, it just changes absolutely everything, and nobody even looks at the season as being all that bad, necessarily. So I don't, I don't know what the heck happened in that stretch, but I, 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 don't, I don't know. I really do think it was probably Aaron Rodgers. I don't remember exactly when he broke his thumb, but I've said it a thousand times. Whenever he got hurt, the team gave up. That is a common thing, and I, it's just so freaking annoying but it, it, it does really go to show how much the locker room matters and how much belief matters because you can tell what the team looks like when it doesn't believe anymore when they saw rogers broke his thumb and for whatever reason thought well then we just can't win anymore everybody just starts playing poorly hey orion hi so i know here we like to keep it fun we like to keep it all loosey-goosey um but i don't mean to get political on you uh-huh. but who do you think is going to be the division leaders in each division this upcoming year? Way too early predictions. Also, to make a little quick comment on uh, 
any calls or predictions were made or anything about people looking stupid and they're like, ah, I'm not stupid, you're stupid, everyone's stupid, this is stupid, the draft is stupid, football's stupid. Everything in the world except for me is stupid. Well, <laughs> here's the deal with me is I'm not afraid of looking like an idiot, so much so that I'm pretty sure that uh, subconsciously I go out of my way to look like an idiot. Um, however, with that being said, by looking like an idiot most times, uh, I just kind of have a feeling that uh, a lot of people, they don't really understand. Because maybe, you know, h- how do you know that my dim-witted experience isn't merely a subtle form of manipulation used to lower people's expectations, thereby enhancing my ability to effectively maneuver in any given situation? Something to think about. Not a lot of people, they don't think about it. But, think about it. Okay, bye. All right, I will think it over. Um, <laughs> what are we talking about? Oh, yeah, the uh, winners in each division. Uh, AFC East, I'm sticking with Buffalo. I know the Jets are the hot ticket and all that, and maybe they do good. I have no idea, but um, I think Buffalo being a 13-win team, uh, to automatically assume the Jets catapult themselves to a 13-, 14-, 15-win team is silliness. Um the AFC South, Jacksonville makes the most sense. Houston, Indianapolis, and Tennessee are kind of a disaster. Maybe Tennessee can do something, I don't know, but I think Jacksonville takes another step forward. So they remain in the lead. Um, AFC North, Cincinnati makes the absolute most sense. We'll see about Pittsburgh. I do have some uh little questions about whether or not the quarterback takes a step and then he does it with pickens and then you pair that with that defense this entire division could actually get kind of good if cleveland could ever figure out you know how to make that quarterback guy remember how to play football really good and then if baltimore with lamar if he can actually stay healthy and they're changing the way they play offense so that could be a disaster i have no idea so there's a lot of questions there, but I'm sticking with Cincinnati just because you know you have the guy at quarterback. Um, Chiefs absolutely stay, so no crazy predictions here. Although, again, AFC North, question marks. NFC East, I do have some questions there. Um, I don't want to say Philadelphia is overhyped, but I do wonder if Philadelphia is overhyped just because, I mean, let's be completely honest about it. Everybody's excited about Philadelphia because of what happened last year, but why do we assume that it has to stay that way, right? How many people played at their absolute peak, and how, how do we assume that at nobody takes a step back after a basically dominant season? I'm not so sure. I mean, Jalen Hurts peaked, right? He spiked. Does he stay real high, or does he come down? What about his offensive line? These guys are getting kind of old. What if some of them start to take a step back, and he starts dealing with a little bit more pressure instead of playing behind maybe the best offensive line in football? What happens then? You know what I mean? So, uh, same with the defense. I Some of that stuff starts to regress. In other words, it's a team that was basically perfect from end to end. That's almost impossible to maintain. Now, who's going to compete with them? Well, Dallas. Um, and that's probably it. But, yeah, Dallas. So, maybe. Maybe Dallas actually kind of surprises people and overtakes Philadelphia. Again, I know that's basically blasphemy because we're all supposed to just fall down and worship the Philadelphia Eagles. Um, but I think that's stupid because we have no idea what's going to happen this year. <clears throat> and we do this every year, and it's just ridiculous that we just never remember. Um, NFC South, man, I really don't know. I'm, I'm leaning Saints, 
just because they got a decent stopgap, maybe, although we've seen, I don't know how many times, big-name quarterbacks going to different teams, like the Colts and whatever, Washington, and it's just a disaster. But I feel like they probably still have a good defense, although they gave away to Minnesota one of their pass rushers who's young still, and I have no idea why they did that. I guess because they're flat broke. I don't know. But I don't see Carolina or... I see maybe Atlanta. I don't know. It's really close. I have no idea. I think it's... I, I, it could... And, and it makes sense. It was 8-9, and 7-10, and 7-10, and 7-10. And and I, I just... I don't think it's Tampa. I'll just go with New Orleans. I haven't looked into it real well, so I could be way off on that, but I would just lean New Orleans by a hair. Um, the NFC West, I mean, the 49ers have pretty much dominated that. I don't know why that should change as much as I don't necessarily respect their team. I, I just, I mean, as far as their players, um, but you know, every single year you get random nobodies like Halfunga who just become elite. So why would that ever change? And it doesn't seem to matter who their quarterback is. They end up being great, even though I don't think Brady is, um, Brady, what's that guy's name? Purdy. I don't think Purdy's a good quarterback, really, by any stretch. But everybody's just wide open, and he throws to wide open guys. And so what What? Uh, what does it matter? And I don't see the Cardinals or Rams really competing. Maybe Seattle, but even the Geno thing. If anybody's going to regress, I think, you know, probably Geno. Maybe not. I don't know. But either see the Seahawks peaked, I think, as far as can they do it again? Maybe. Can they get better? I would doubt it. And then for the NFC North, I don't. I really don't know. I want to say Detroit just because they seem to continue going up, but I don't think they did a single thing to give me any confidence that they got better. In fact, they, they may have, for the first year, either plateaued or regressed a little bit. Minnesota, I think, makes a ton of sense just because they got, you know, just a, an off, the, probably the scariest offense in an offensive league. They maybe have the worst defense, but that could get better. You know, as much as we talk about how that team is going to regress based on how many wins were fake, I think their their defense being that bad might have been a little bit fake. Um, Chicago is a complete joke unless Justin Fields can learn to throw. The Packers could absolutely win the division. Just depends on if Jordan Love is any good and if the defense feels like playing and whatnot. So I don't know. I usually just give it to the division winner, but I guess because it's a Packers podcast, I'll just say the Packers. Not to get too religious, but where do Vikings fans get off that they think that they're, this little amount of success that they've had just automatically propels them to being, oh, if we had a Super Bowl, we'd be better than the Packers, hands down. That's the only thing. What? Not to go too depth into it, because I've seen a lot of fun discourse on Twitter, you know, the place where all truth happens and no one lies or no one embellishes to make themselves feel better. Yeah. But where where do the Viking fans get off? Like, I'm I haven't gotten into any tips with Lions fans for the most part. Like during the draft last month, those two combined, it was Bears fans. Bears fans out of the woodworks past two months, just crazy. And now the Vikings fans, they're popping up, and they're going off. I haven't seen that. And it's just like, listen, you have... If I had to guess, though, I, again, I haven't seen it. Um, I haven't seen much of anything aside from a few comments I make getting uh, thrown into Bears Twitter and then getting lit up over there. Um, so I'm sure if I went after some of the Vikings that I would see some of them talking trash or whatever, but... Um, 
if I had to guess if people are starting to get a little bit more chirpy, it's because of OTAs, right? There's tons of reports of, man, look how good. Oh, I, what was it? I did see somebody tweet out something about Justin Jefferson might have a breakout season. Like, what? He broke out his rookie year, dummy. What are you talking about? Um, but it's it's stuff like that, right? He, he made a one-handed catch, and it's like, dude, he's going to have the best year ever. Uh, okay. I have a bit more to talk about than the Bears currently. I get that. Congratulations. Yeah, you won last year the division. However, unlike you, no one else hangs division um, championships up or whatever. Mm-hmm. Blah, blah, blah. I just... I don't get it. I don't get it. Because as a Packers fan, we have history that spans a long time. We have championships. We have Hall of Fame players. We have regular season stats. We got a lot of things going for us. And like I said, the the Vikings recently, they've had a good uh, change of luck. But when when is the shoe going to drop when they're just going to be like, hey, listen, shut up. Go away. When they lose. I don't, I already have to deal with the people from Chicago. I don't want to deal with the Minnesota. Hmm. Shout out to Lions fans for being mostly quiet because they probably don't exist. All right. Bye. Yeah, I mean, it, that, I think that's the answer when they lose. Um, I don't know. I, I, I think from my experience, I, I haven't even seen a ton of pushback about the fact that Vikings are going to regress. And I'm sure it depends how deep down the well you go to start getting some of the crazier fans, but it it seems like a pretty well-established thing that the Vikings are set to regress based on some of the statistics from last year. It's a matter of how bad. Um, I, I I just haven't seen a lot of pushback on a lot of things. And in fact, it seems to me like Vikings fans are, if, if, if anything, more upset than optimistic about a, a, some of the things and how they transpired. Um, maybe some cautious optimism, but they're also in a rebuild. So it's kind of a question of where are we? The, the, just the vibe that I'm getting, I guess it's almost as if they're unlike bears fans who are like, this is the year. And they started saying that last year until they started losing. And then it was like, never mind this, this they're tanking, which is the dumbest crap ever. No, the players played as hard as they possibly freaking could. The coaches did just so stupid. Unlike them, who wants to focus on now, even though the future is what matters, Vikings fans, from what I've seen, seem to be more future-focused. Like, yeah, this year, whatever, but, like, what are we doing? Where where are we going? Like, what's what's the long-term projection here? Like, are we going to start looking for a quarterback? Or, like, Dalvin's going, like, yeah, I get it. Like, it's time for him to go, cool. But, like, what what are we doing? You know? what's What's the... We, we, we know the problems, and we know that we're probably not where we need to be to win a Super Bowl, granted. And I've seen you give away a couple guys, also bringing in some guys, so I don't, you know, whatever. And there's also talk about possibly trading Daniil Hunter, which is weird. And you're also hanging on to Kirk Cousins and uh, that 45-year-old safety. So I, as far as the, the rebuild thing, I, I don't fully understand. What are we doing? What, what, what's, the, what's the plan here? And then as far as like not really acquiring any value from people that are leaving, I think has become a bit of a frustration 
again, not so much commenting, but just observing from afar in like comment sections and stuff. They're, they're waiting for a reason to be excited. Give me like a thing to be excited about because nothing's really happened. I mean, you can get excited about some of the draft picks, I guess, and I haven't even seen that. But you know what I mean? Like we're ready to get behind Kwesi to kind of like, I mean, like what the Bears have, I, I don't know why you would be excited. I'd be mortified, but, but they've done stuff, you know? Like they supposedly have their quarterback of the future, so you kind of have a bit of a vision. And then you got a wide receiver and you built the offensive line. So even though I think they've done a terrible job, at least there's like a vision and a path. And it's like, if it all works out, like maybe this is the team. Maybe this is the dynasty. Maybe, maybe, maybe. You know, again, terrible job they've done, but you can see it. The Vikings, it's like, what are we, what are we doing? Like we're, we're, we got some good stuff here and it'd be nice to not squander it. So what, what are we doing? That would be my question, I guess. You know, I mean, I, I, I honestly would probably be more excited about my team as a Vikings fan than a lot of Vikings fans are, aside from we got to do something about this defense. Um, but yeah, th- there is sort of a question of, you know, uh, you can't drag these things out because Justin Jefferson's going to be 30 years old in like a week. Not literally. I just mean time flies, man. These guys only play for a limited window at, at a really, really high level. I know he's young, but he won't be for very long. You, you go from being the young guy to the old guy pretty quick. And, you know, again, like what Todd was saying, like, oh, it's a three-year rebuild. Like, well, I sure hope not, because if that's the case, we got a lot of guys we might as well just get rid of, which sucks. So you got to do something. What, what, I, I just, I don't know what they're doing, I guess. It's actually funny because there was news about um, they're not going to give Kirk Cousins an extension, and everyone's like, oh, that's how you know that they're getting rid of him. It's like, isn't this been what they've done for a long time now he gets his one year thing and then he wants an extension and they say no and then he gets another one year and then another one year and then another one year isn't that just what we keep doing not saying it has to happen next year but it it tends to go that way and a big part of the reason is because after you give them that one year contract the next year when you want to get rid of them it's too expensive it's going to cost them almost 30 million dollars to not have him next year so it becomes cheaper to just give him a contract. But you don't want to give him a long-term contract because you don't want him long-term. So what do you do? You give him a one-year contract to just kind of kick the can down the road. Well, it's not going to fix... At some point, you just got to take it on the chin. And the problem is they keep making it worse. For example, this year they gave him a $35 million contract. What do you think his dead cap... What do you think his cap is this year? Cap hit. 20.2. Where did the rest of the money go? To next year. So we just added on to everything else that's already there. We're like, okay... Anyways, yeah, I, I haven't seen a ton of it. I think the chirping, part of it just comes with being a fan of a team. You're a Vikings fan, you hate Packers fans, Packer fans hate Vikings fans, so you guys argue about stupid crap. That's just how it goes. Some of it has to do with confidence in the future. Some of it has to do with we beat you. Some of it has to do with just believing the Packers suck, and so you're picking on them because you don't expect there to be any legitimate retaliation. Lots of reasons. I haven't seen a ton. Why don't we take a break? Patreon.com forward slash pack underscore daddy if you'd like to support the podcast. Thank you very, very much to Mark Rasmernowski. Rasmernowski? Why is it spelled like rosemary? I don't know, but I really appreciate the support. Thank you so much. Please remember to check out the um, GoFundMe pinned to the top of my Twitter. Any and all help would be greatly appreciated for a family that is desperately in need. We'll take a break and we'll be right back. Hey, U.S. Cellular customers, I've got good news, so don't hit skip forward just yet. I'm talking about their special customer event, Us Days. What's us days? It means exclusive offers just for their customers, just to say thanks, like up to $1,200 to upgrade to any new phone. No, I didn't just misread that. That's up to $1,200 off. They must really like you. 
Us Days at U.S. Cellular, exclusive offers just for you, just to say thanks. Right now, U.S. Cellular customers get up to $1,200 to upgrade to any new phone. Terms apply. Hey, Ryan, this is Evan calling from Phoenix. Hey. Uh, definitely a long-time listener, um, very rare caller. Um, I was listening to Packing That After Dark um, this morning, and I just wanted to add some insight um, in regards to Darnell Mooney. Um, back in the 2021 season when he was a rookie, um, I had him on my fantasy football team. Um, and one thing I, I wanted to point out is because there's been some talk about how Darnell Mooney had like a down year last year and this and that. And Bears like to, Bears, the Bears fans like to say that, you know, he, he had a down year because of himself. It was it was his you know, it was his fault, not Justin Fields. But um having owned him in the twenty twenty one season when he was a rookie, um, I exclusively played him only when um either Andy Dalton or um Nick Foles were yeah. the starting QB. Um as you know in that season, you know, they, they tried to play Justin Fields as much as as much as they could. Um but there were times, and I believe there were some injuries to Justin Fields, um, and there were some other issues where um, either Andy Dalton or Nick Foles had to had to start. Um, and every single time Justin Fields wasn't playing, Donald Mooney had a great a great week. Um, he had a great game. You know, he usually had a, a decent stat line stat line enough to um, actually get some some good fantasy production points out of him. Um, so, I honestly think that if you put Donald Mooney even last year on any other team with a somewhat competent quarterback, heck, I mean, put him on the Colts with Matt Ryan last year, and I guarantee he does better than he did last year with Justin Fields. So, I think we know who the common denominator is, and Bears fans are completely delusional thinking that this guy is going to take even a half a step as a thrower. But that's all I got. Um, thank you for your time, and we'll back go as usual. Yeah, I mean, um, that that does, again, everybody gets all twisted up when I talk about DJ Moore in some kind of a non-glowing way, but there's two factors to the DJ Moore thing. Number one, he wasn't a top 10 wide receiver. He was a barely top 32 wide receiver. Okay? That's number one. Number two, DJ Moore last year was just as good as Darnell Mooney two years ago. When Justin Fields took over full-time, what happened to Darnell Mooney? Okay, now that DJ Moore, and, and that's the other thing, well, he's played for bad quarterbacks. Bro, he hasn't played for one this bad. He hasn't. Statistically, he has not. He has not thrown for a, or played for a worse thrower than Justin Fields. So what happens to DJ Moore when Justin Fields becomes his quarterback? I think it's a fair question. I mean, maybe he's going to be great. I don't know. You know. One of the complaints has been Justin Fields has never really had a good receiver. Maybe there's a reason for that because we know that there's good receivers on the roster, right? I mean, Allen Robinson fell off. You can't really blame him. I mean, I mean Fields, because he left and stayed bad. And, and hey, Mooney might not be his fault either because if you look at it, um, 
Darnell Mooney's grades are 68, 74, 69. So it looks like he kind of had a little bit of a spike there in 2021 and went right back to what he was, which is not super great. I mean, he's a fifth-round guy. What do you expect? So maybe Mooney's just no good. And Nikhil Harry was bad, but he's always been bad. And Byron Pringle's bad, but he's never really been very good. And Valus Jones is bad, but he's a rookie geriatric kick returner who somehow is already 26 years old. And Chase Claypool had a bad year, but he's not really that good, although this was significantly worse year than he's had. Although he's had a downward trajectory, right? He had a 75, then a 67, and this year a 61. So maybe that's a thing. He was off to a terrible start with Pittsburgh anyways, which maybe is why they shouldn't have been stupid and traded pick 32 for him. Brilliant freaking polls over there. And Equinemius was bad, but he's always been bad. I mean, look, they, they went out and got a bunch of terrible players. And yeah, uh, Dante Pettis did have the worst year of his career while he was there, but he's never really been all that good to begin with. So yeah, he hasn't he, he didn't really have any help. But we're hanging our hat on on one guy who had a 73 grade, which again... That's less than what Darnell Mooney had two years ago. But you know what? This will be the deciding factor. Because he's never had a grade less than a 70. If he has a down year, then I don't want to hear any excuses. I don't want to hear anything about, oh, he never had any help because, you know, he's uh, DJ Moore isn't even good, bro. No, he is, and, and we, we maybe got other issues there. And by the way, it doesn't just have to be Justin Fields. Something I maybe wanted to cover at another time. We'll see if we can get to it, but... Um, it seems like there's a pretty big culture problem there. There was a press conference done by one of the Chicago Bears. I don't even know who it was, but just the way he was talking, it sounds like he's trying to get guys to care. And it's not always seemingly a very easy thing to do. It sounds like he's only there essentially because the coaching staff kind of talked him into like, don't worry, we're going to get this thing going, man. Just stick with us. So there's that. All right, let us do one moss, and then we'll get up out of here. Ryan, hey. Kyle from Madison, how you doing? Good. Hey, I just wanted to call and let you know. Uh, the other day, I don't remember the conversation, but you know, you were saying how hard it is. Some days you get in there, in there to record, and it's not what you want to be doing. And I thought, gee, the irony, you know. <laughs> Ryan's doing the thing he doesn't want to be doing. Well, I'm driving to go do the thing I don't want to be doing. <laughs> But somehow the thing he didn't want to be doing makes my day better. There we go. And I do appreciate that. I wanted to let you know, too, um, you took my Patreon virginity, <laughs> so to speak. Um, I went and picked up, I mean, I'm not really made of money right now, but I went and picked up one of those Bubba Frank annual Patreons from you. Uh, I don't know what all I get about with that. I don't really care. I just wanted to support you and say I really appreciate things and I really appreciate just the dedication. I think I had, you know, I had listened to you for a few, I want to say a few years. And I don't know, I was trying to figure out like what it was that really drew me in to the daily listening habit, you know? Because if I could figure that out, that might be helpful to you. But <laughs> honestly, I think just like the, I love the flow of the, you know, the other cats that contribute, but I love, you know, we've got the, this call in, we've got this forum to kind of get to know each other a little bit in a weird way and, and we can have a voice all year round and the regularity that you post really does help I mean when I'm driving from account to account and I can throw on a podcast it really it really makes my day when there's not an episode and this isn't I'm not throwing shade at you I get it it's not always possible but like when, I, when I'm when i out of episodes and there's not an episode I'm like oh 
I got to drive an hour. Totally different when I know I've got a fresh Packernet pod, like, queued up. It just changes everything. And so I just want to say thank you. That's all I have to say today. And uh, appreciate it. Go back, go. Kyle out. Well, thanks, Kyle. I appreciate that. That does mean a lot. And I do know what you mean. Um, I actually don't get to listen to my own podcast. I could, but it's not interesting. So, um, and a lot of times I've, I'm, I try to, I have to like force myself to listen to Packers podcast sometime because I'm so freaking burned out just from doing it myself, spend all day on the Packers. So, um, and, and what I've learned is what my new thing as far as podcasts is listening to barbecue shows, right? Cooking out and all that kind of stuff. It's hard to find anyone that does anything other than once a week, maybe. And then you've got like the Barbecue Central show that I think is like five days a week. Um, but yeah, I'm in there like waiting for Malcolm Reed and then he took like a week or two off. So it's like, oh, it's Friday. Finally, I've been waiting forever and he didn't do one. It's like, oh, what the heck? And I'm waiting on Saturday and I'm waiting on it didn't come. So then the next week it rolls around. It's like, what the heck, dude? So, yeah, I get that. That does suck for sure. Tell you what, let's do, uh, let's go ahead and do another one since um, I do appreciate that. But uh, see if we got a, a question here. Hey, Ryan, Dad from California. I had my next little thing of comps and for who I think these players from the draft um, really match up with. And I got to say, tight end is such a hard position. Like, there's not a lot of them. And basically anybody before 2010 isn't very athletic except Vernon Davis, right? So there's just so, like, when you have a guy like Luke Musgrave, there's no comp for him. Like, you have guys that he's similar to, right? And the only guy that I can really find that is comparable is Mike Kosicki. You know, not the best blocker and very fast, very moving in and out of breaks, but you know what? Like Mike Kosicki's, you know, he, he's not a bad tight end. But, you know, let's say that's what, you know, we got as as part of this offense, a guy that's fast over the middle that can contribute, get about, you know, 700, 800 yards and, you know, four or five touchdowns. That's a role player and that's a, you know, that's a top 10 tight end. Like that's, you know, that's pretty good. And uh, Tucker Craft, he's a little bit, you know, a little bit easier. Um, I was trying to go and uh, see because he's about, you know, not average, but he's still, these older tight ends, they're just not moving as fast as these guys, everybody before 2010. So there isn't really like an old school comp for him either. So I ended up going with Hunter Henry. You know, a well-rounded tight end. You know, plays aggressively. Um, you know, Hunter Henry, you know, was actually dominant early on and got hurt because he's, you know, just, you know, once he got the ball in his hand, he would just kind of run like a wild guy. It's kind of, you know, it's, it's similar to separate craft. So the tight end position was very hard to get these comps for guys that, I, I, you know, it's kind of, I was looking at all different comparisons. So those are the best I got, Kostiki and Hunter Henry. And, you know, that's kind of like the profile of these guys coming out. So, who knows? Maybe they could be uh, they could be better, but let's see. Go back, go. Yeah, I think – I forgot what I had said. I I'm, I know there were two for 
um, Musgrave, one of them being Dallas Goddard, which obviously gets me excited. He is a phenomenal tight end. The other thing to keep in mind is, um, you know, as much as I'm trying to temper my expectations, when you look at a lot of these good tight ends, they came in and were pretty good from day one. Dallas Goddard, um, his rookie year was a 75.4. He had a 78.2 this year. Um, he has had higher years, but it's been pretty, I mean, 75 is, is the bottom, but it's still kind of the stamina I mean, 75, 82, 79, 90, 78. So uh, the point is, there's every reason to believe Musgrave can come in and just be a good tight end. And then Tucker Craft, I don't know, uh, Pat Fryermuth, maybe they're, they're pretty decent, uh, size comps anyways, bigger guys at, uh, six, five, almost two sixty. Fryermuth is another guy that came in day one and was just a good wide receiver. 72 as a rookie, 75 in year two. Kind of an under-the-radar tight end, but uh, really solid. 732 yards, only two touchdowns, which, again, probably part of the reason why he didn't get as much attention. Oh, Evan Ingram is the other uh, guy that I was thinking of for Musgrave. Obviously, I would prefer Goddard. Um, Austin Hooper is a decent comp for Tucker Kraft. Bigger dude. Kraft is an inch taller and a little bit faster. But third-round pick, uh, Janu Smith, he got off to a pretty slow start and still isn't actually that good of a, a tight end, but got a little bit better as a receiver and whatnot. But uh, similar third-round pick, uh, 6'3", he's about 250, so he's a little little less, probably not the best comp. Will, Will Disley also isn't terrible, but that guy was a, he's, he's slow. He ran almost a 4'9". So yeah, Fryermuth isn't terrible. And I, tell you, I think I had said before Mark Andrews, but I don't think that that necessarily lines up, although the, the speed is right on point, the height is right on point. Um, he's just like seven pounds heavier, our guy is, which I guess isn't a negative, but if you want to look on the positive side, um, yeah, our two tight ends could be Dallas Goddard and Mark Andrews on one team. Probably not, but I'm, you know, I'm just saying. Let's call it their ceilings. Anyways, I'm going to leave it at that. You guys have a good rest of your night. I will talk to you tomorrow. Have a good one. Bye-bye.